Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are learning Amos 7a, that is the prophet Amos, chapter 7, the first portion. Uh, This chapter is not super long, but it's still as clear division between the first and second halves, so I'm going to divide it into two separate podcasts, um, because the messages are very different. The first Part of chapter 7 is a very powerful message and somewhat theologically complex. And um, let's delve into it. So um, this is Saul Weinreb. I'm the host for your podcast. So Amos chapter 7 verse 1 reads as follows. Ko hirani Adonai Elohim. So God, the Lord our God, showed me as follows. The following vision I saw in in a vision, God was creating a plague of locusts. At the time of year, during the time when the lokesh was growing, the lokesh is the crops that grow late in the season, and behold, these crops were beginning to sprout after the king's shearing, the king's... Uh, uh, reaping, uh, so to speak, has been done. So apparently there was this time, there was a season when the king would take uh, certain portions of the crops for his, for his, um, uh, to support his, you know, his palace, his state, his animals or whatever. And then after that, the next big, the last final big crop would grow. And this was obviously a very important time. And God was creating the locusts to come and eat up that crop. And presumably this is the crop that would sustain the people until the next season. So this would be quite a devastating blow if there would be a plague of locusts at this time. And in this vision, as I was watching, as the um, the locusts were finishing off and completing, Kila is, is completing... The, and it also uh, gives the connotation of a devastating and complete uh, destruction of the grasses of the land. Well, Omar, and I, when, I, when he saw the terror and the horror and the indiscriminate and total nature of the destruction, Amos, the prophet, says to God, Adonai Elohim, Salachna, please forgive, please forgive the people. Mi Yakum Yaakov, Ken Yaakov, can be the people of Jacob. And remember, we've pointed out in Amos and in other prophets, when the term Jacob is used, it's a reference to the entire people of Israel, the northern and the southern kingdoms. So Yaakov is meant to refer to the, the entirety of the people. Can, can, the, can the nation survive? Kikaton, for they are small. I'm going to get back to the meaning of this phrase, kikaton, who, oh, actually, let's deal with it now. Kikatonhu, the simple meaning is that the people are small. They're a small nation. They're a humble nation. They're a poor nation. It was, it, they simply cannot survive such destruction. It will completely wipe out the people. Um, the, the, that's the simple meaning of katon. I'm going to get back later to some other possible meanings of that word. But interestingly, I'm just going to point out here that the prayer that Amos chooses is something I would like to focus on after we finish reading the verses. And that is, he chooses to pray by asking God, the people are so small, they can't handle such a punishment. 
Um, while there are many other approaches that he could have taken, this is the one that he chose. And then verse 3, Nicham Adonai Azos, God uh, changed his mind, so to speak, or he, he, he comforted his mind and he calmed his anger down regarding this because of the prayer, presumably, and Loti Amar Adonai, and God said, okay, this plague will not happen, it will not be. In other words, he listened to the prayer of the prophet. And then the vision continues, or this was a, a second vision. So God, the Lord God, showed me as follows. God was summoning, or he was calling up in order to fight his fight or to mete out his punishment in fire. So was the Lord God doing. And the flames consumed the great depth, the great deep. In other words, it consumed the entire world down to the levels of the great deep. And it was consuming and burning through the fields, a massive forest and brush fire that just burnt everything. And I said, God, please, please hold black. Please, please hold this back. Please stop this. Can the people of Yaakov survive this? For they are so small. The same basic prayer, although this time, the first time he said, Salachna, please forgive. And this time he says, please hold back. Please don't, don't, don't mete out such terrible punishment. And then again, the same language, God changed his mind or God was, he relented. Uh, he um, he uh, calmed down his anger. This also will not actually occur. So says God. Um, one gets the impression here that um, that God wasn't actually showing him what he was going to do, but God was actually showing him the things that he's not going to do. And now, uh, God was saying, Gam and So is this in response to the prayer of Amos, or was this God's initial attention? Of course, he wanted to elicit the prayer from Amos, but his initial intention was God wanted to say, I'm not doing a destruction that's complete and utter destruction, but rather I'm going to do as follows, which is the third portion of the vision. Kohir Ani, so showed, God showed me again in a third, either a third vision or a third part of the same vision. God was standing above a wall built with a plumb line. So one could build a wall simply by piling rocks. And if it's a small, simple structure, you can build a wall like that. But you, if you want to build a nice big structure, it has to be straight. It has to be done properly for it to stand and for it to be proper. So um, so a plumb line is a measuring line used to, it's basically a rope with a, with a heavy weight at the end. So if you stand at a height and you drop it, it, it will show a straight line. So this was a measuring device used and all the way back into antiquity to help build a straight wall for a large structure. So God was standing there with this plumb line measuring out the straightness of his wall, and in God's hand, he was holding this plumb line. And God said to me, What do you see now, Amos? What do you see? And I said, I see a plumb line. And God said, to the prophet, I'm going to place a plumb line. What kind of punishment am I going to do? A punishment that is measured. 
I'm going to put out a measuring plumb line within my nation Israel. I will no longer pass over his sins. I do and I will punish them for their sins. But the kind of punishment I'm going to do is not an indiscriminate punishment like the grasshoppers, the locust plague, or the fire which is, which is utter destruction. But rather I'm going to do a measured punishment. A measured punishment, like one, like the one with the plumb line, v'nashamu b'mos Yitzchak, and the the altars upon which the people, the descendants of Isaac, have been worshiping idols, u'mikdashei Yisrael, and the holy places are the holy with a small h, not with a capital h, the places that the people of Israel set aside to do their their iniquities and their immorality. Yecharavu, those places will be destroyed. Become T and I will stand Al Basiravam, I stand against the the house of Jeroboam, the, the king of of the northern kingdom, Becharev, and I will bring the sword to them and they will be destroyed. This is specifically the Beit Yeravam, the house of Jeroboam, because we know historically that Jeroboam the second, Yeravam ben Yoash, who was the king at the time of Amos, um, did not die by sword. He died and he was succeeded by his son. But his his family, his son, was destroyed eventually by sword, and that's why it says Vikanti al Beitiravam. There's several issues here that I would like to address in this uh, seven, in this portion. This con- concludes the portion of chapter seven that I'm going to deal with today, but I would like to address a few issues. Number one, um, it seems that the it is the indiscriminateness so to speak, of the punishment of the fire and the locust, which, which was what Amos prayed to God not to do. But once God said, I'm going to do it in a measured way with an anoch, that, at that point, Amos no longer prayed. For, for, first of all, God basically told him not, don't bother praying, because God said, I will not pass over these sins. I will punish them for these sins. But also, it, it's similar to what we find with Avram Avinu, with Abraham, when he prayed for Sodom back in Genesis, where Avram said, Abraham said, if there's anyone righteous within the city, how could you destroy the entire city? You must save it because of the righteous ones. In other words, don't destroy everything. You know, everyone doesn't deserve to die. And in utter destruction, everyone dies, including the righteous ones. So what Amos was objecting to was then, according to this understanding, was the indiscriminate nature of the fire and the locust. It's another possible, so, so there are several major issues that are dealt with among the commentaries. And one of them is the nature of prayer itself. It, is it just at all, is it when God is going to punish, if God felt that it was right to destroy the people with locusts or fire, then what did the prayer help to change that? This is a general question that applies to prayer in general. If God feels that a certain thing is the right thing to do, how does a human being's prayer change that? In addition, um, uh, you know, so I'm not going to answer that question now. I'm just raising it because it's a very basic philosophical question. And 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 um, and then this the, this is the idea of collective punishment at all. If if it's not just to punish everyone. You know, because because people that are that are 
uh, righteous are being punished along with the people that are not, then why is collective punishment ever okay? Um, the other um, the, the issue here is, so I mean, one understanding here is, is that in this vision, and it kind of reads along this way, that God was actually trying to teach Amos that he, the punishment needs to be done because it needs to be done. And I, I am not going to punish them in a way of utter destruction. And what Amos was pointing out to God was something that, that God, of course, already knew. And that is, is that if you would release utter destruction upon the people, then, then they would be destroyed forever, which is not what God desired. Which brings us to the image of the Chomat Anach, the wall in the plumb line. The wall and the plumb line as an image itself is an image of construction, not an image of destruction. It's an image of building, not an image of, of, of tearing down. And this is really, really important because what God is saying is, yes, I'm going to apply a plumb line, but the purpose of the punishment is to build the people, not to destroy them. And God, in, in a beautiful way here, teaches almost this lesson. I'm not going to send utter destruction, because I know Kikatonhu, I know the people are small and the people will not survive. And I want the people to survive, but I want them to learn a lesson. I want them to learn a lesson and therefore the punishments have to come because of their sins. And therefore, um, he showed him an image of a chomat anach, a wall of anach, a wall being built with a plumb line, an exact perfect wall not just a haphazard wall that's a pile of rocks, but an exact perfect wall because this is the purpose of the punishment. The purpose of the punishment is to build the people, not to break them down. And in that, which again explains why Amos did not um, pray for God to stop this kind of punishment because, because the purpose of this was to build the people as opposed to destroy them. Uh, I would like to point out one other thing uh, before we leave this chapter here. And that is actually two more things. The, I, the prayer of Kikatonu, because the people are small. On a simple level, like I mentioned that Kikatonu means that the people are small. In other words, they're too small to handle this. Another way of understanding that is because the people are small, meaning because they, they are humble. They are a humble people. They do not all deserve to be um killed. As we find many times in the Torah, we find you are the smallest among the other nations. When all is said and done, the people do have a basic humility and understanding of their, of their tininess, of their smallness. And therefore, he was actually saying to God that, you know, the people are, are, are humble. Another, so, so that would be another way of understanding of kikatonhu. And so do not, do not punish them kikatonu because they are small, they are humble. And now the other thing that I wanted to point out is a, the, what the Talmud says in Bava Metziah 59a. One of the most famous portions of the Talmud was the argument between Rabbi Eliezer and the rabbis regarding a certain, the laws of a certain oven, the oven of Achnai. And the debate, there was a famous debate where Rabbi Elazar brought signs from the heaven to show that he was right, but the rabbis ended up saying that no, the Torah is not, the, the law is not decided by, by signs from heaven, but the law is decided by, uh, by, 
by people in honest debate, and um, and 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 so on. Now, um, but the how does that relate to this here? Because that entire that entire story in the in the Talmud and Bava Messiah was being brought because at the end of the story, the rabbis um, were guilty of oppression towards Rabbi Eliezer, and and um, and the Gemara discusses that and how the rabbis tried to um, tried to apologize and so on for the oppression of Rabbi Eliezer at the end of that argument, and right before that story was brought, the Gemara. The Talmud made a statement, and that is, is that all the punishment for all sins God can do through intermediaries, but the punishment for oppression of one person against another or of people against other people, the punishment of oppression that's done by God Himself, and this verse is brought as support because God God Himself was standing over the wall with a chomat anach with a, with a wall built by a plumb line with an anach with the plumb line in His hand. Now it's a play on words because the word anach is similar to the word ona'a, which means oppression. So, but the Talmud is assuming that the punishment the 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 the, the punishment that God says I have to mete out. I will not pass over this is because the people were oppressive towards others. This is the Chomat Anach. And it seems very consistent with the message of Amos overall. And God was hinting by showing Amos the Anach, the Ona'ah, the oppression. God was saying this oppression, yes, maybe Katonhu, maybe the people do have some humility and I do need to save them. But oppression of others I cannot pass over on. I can't pass that up. And this is the message of Tzedek Umishbat, of justice and righteousness, which is the theme of the entire book of Amos. That when I see the wealthy oppressing the poor, this, God says, I myself have to come down and punish the people for that. I cannot let this go on. And that's why Amos understood so clearly that this unfortunate punishment needed to take place. Thank you so much for studying Amos 7a. Looking forward to completing the study of chapter 7 together with you.